As a mom, you wear a lot of hats, and sometimes it seems like you're going in a million directions at once. At the 29-Minute Mom, we want to give you the tools to bring it all under control and reach your highest potential. If you give us a few minutes, we'll help you find those extra hours you need every week to achieve balance and satisfaction in everything you're trying to get done. The 29-Minute Mom. It's time just for you. And now, here's your host, life's organization expert, author and coach, Jennifer Ford Berry. Hi, everybody. It's Jennifer Ford Berry and 29 Minute Mom. And we are back today with one of my favorite guests of all time, Amy Tram. So, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for having me again. Yeah. So wait, Tram, say your last name again. It's Trammel, but Trammel. Amy Tram is easy. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I, I screwed it up last time and then I went back on and I was double checking and it's like your Instagram says Dr. Amy Tram and it always throws me off. <laughs> so, um, so Amy, you were on the show, um, at episode 88. First of all, whoever did not listen to episode 88 needs to listen to this episode. Um, so just go ahead and introduce yourself real quick, and then I'll jump to why you're back on the show today. So I, um, I'm a pharmacist and, uh, that means I got my doctorate in pharmacy. I have my undergrad in biochemistry. So background in biochemistry and pharmacy, and I currently work in a pharmacy as a pharmacy manager. And I'm just here hoping to give some information to people who like to hear straightforward information without any sort of bias associated. Yes. So what will happen is um, back on episode 88, we talked about the, the information about the COVID vaccination that a lot of people were not aware of. And that show to, in all transparency, we were a little nervous to share because we didn't know if we were going to get backlash um, because some people have, you know, may not agree or have strong opinions on both sides about the COVID vaccination and the air, the show aired and it had gotten nothing but positive feedback. I mean, the reviews, the emails I got, the messages I got, the text message I got was unbelievable. And what that told me is that people are out there seeking the truth and they're not sure where to get it from anymore. There are so many of us, including myself, that don't understand all of the medical facts about vaccinations like this, like you do, because you're a professional and this is what you study. I know that you look at the information and the documentation all the time. Some of the stuff you sent to me, I I'm just like, can you water this down? Because <laughs> I, my brain doesn't work that way. Um, but I know that yours does. And I think what was popular on that show is that you were really good at breaking it down for us so that we could understand so that we were able to empower ourselves to make an educated decision on what is best for our own body, not what the media tells us or our employer tells us or our friends and family tell us like, this is our, our body, our temple, our gift from God that we have to take care of. And I think it's really important to get all the facts before we make such a big, big decision. Um, there was so many 
listeners that said, I never heard this information before. I didn't know. Um, thank you so much for sharing. They just, they were so appreciative of this, the, the facts that you gave. Um, so I felt like it was really, really important to kind of go back, um, have you back on the show and just give us updates because just from that show, which was what back in May, I think it was, mm -hmm. um, so much has happened and so much is happening every single week with this. So, uh, just jump in and tell us like, what are the things that we need to know at this point in time, um, about the COVID vaccinations? Um, so I'd say the biggest thing that's the most widely available is the updated, uh, warning that's been placed on both uh, Moderna and Pfizer's vaccines for myocarditis and pericarditis. And that just means the inflammation of the heart and the inflammation of the pericardium or the sac containing the heart. So heart inflammation. I'm sure people have heard about that because that's the only thing that's made it onto the big news networks. Um, but the idea behind the reason why that's happening is a lot of evidence has shown that the spike protein, what the vaccine makes, the spike protein itself is causes damage in your system. It can cause damage in your vessels, cause damage, they're saying, in your kidneys and ovaries and your brain and everything. So, but specifically with regard to the myocarditis, pericarditis, what they're saying is the spike protein is aggregating there and causing inflammation and your immune cells, because your immune cells are what cause inflammation. They're also good and they help build antibodies, but immune cells are also the things that cause inflammation. So the spike protein, which you're getting injected with a code for your body to make the spike protein, your body makes billions upon trillions of my microscopic spike proteins, and it's wrecking havoc on a lot of people's bodies. Now, they're there is a huge number of people who will say, I was fine, nothing happened to me, um, but we're not even a year into this thing. And what I'm really interested in seeing is the long-term health effects. Um, because just so people know, the full range of a you know, new vaccine is usually minimally 10 to 15 years with preclinical trial, the research and development, preclinical trials, then clinical trials that, you know, and it's a very, very long process, which it should be because with this vaccine, they skipped the whole section where you look at long-term health effects, long-term safety effects, prenatal effects, postnatal effects, all of those things were just skipped and we're, we are the clinical trial at this point. And mm -hmm. I want, I feel like people should know that because Informed consent is a law in almost every state in this country. You have to be informed before you can truly consent. And I wonder, I wrote this down because I wanted to read it verbatim. Mm -hmm. um, on page two, uh, no, this is the Moderna vaccine. On page two of the emergency use authorization, it says, this is how it got approved. It says, it is reasonable to believe that the Moderna vaccine may be effective. So it's reasonable to believe it may be effective. So they're saying themselves, they don't know. It, I mean, yeah, it, it should be. <laughs> and so for something where people under 70 have 
a survival rate of COVID 99.97% for people under 70. Mm-hmm. And the global survival rate for everyone is 99.8. So it's, um, it's very, very just sad to me because I've even been given guidance when the myocarditis warning came out, I asked, I said, should I be telling people? Because in California, as a pharmacist, it is law for a vaccine or a new medication. You have to tell the person all the risks associated with it and you know what it's used for if it's a medication. And when I asked, should I, you know, this is new, should I be sitting people down and making sure they understand that they're informed so that they can give true consent? And I was told, just give them the handout. That should be sufficient. You don't want to scare anyone. Now, normally, would they say the same answer? So for, I mean, it's, well, it's, it's California law. You look at it and it says you have to make sure the patient, your, you know, customer, however you want to phrase it, is informed and understands what, you know, the medication they're taking and verbally repeats it back to you. If you say, you know, this medication is for, you know, cholesterol and it can cause muscle aches and this, that, and the other, you have to make sure they repeat it back to you and understand it. With this, it's give them the handout and don't scare them. Mm -hmm. And I don't like that because I want to share with people. And then when I do have people ask me specific questions and I tell them, well, yeah, this can cause this and this can cause this. And they, you know, pregnant women saying, you're sure this isn't going to harm my baby, right? And I have to say, we don't know. Mm-hmm. And they look at me like shocked. And I said, I don't know. Right. I, yeah. And right now with everything that's going on with the forcing of uh, the vaccination, again, in the emergency use authorization about both vaccines, they're very specific to say, this is an investigational drug. And you look, clinical trials for both Moderna and Pfizer are not going to be completed until 2022 and 2023. So we, this is a clinical trial and anyone who's taken it has, you know, is a part of it. Um, and to tag on to that is that the original trials where they said, okay, I think it was like 30,000, 60,000 people, half of them were vaccinated, half of them were unvaccinated and it was blinded because that's good. You don't want people to know if they got the vaccine or not because placebo effect, people think they feel something. Mm-hmm. Um, they already unblinded it because they said it wasn't ethical to not allow the unvaccinated people to get vaccinated if they wanted to. So now we have no, what they call a control arm. There's no control that is being studied long-term. So that the studies of early clinical trials that got this you know, authorized, under the emergency use, they already told the people who weren't vaccinated, hey, you're, you're, you weren't vaccinated, go get vaccinated if you want. So how are we to ever know the long-term effects of someone who's not vaccinated because it's not being followed by any sort of scientific uh, you know, group to study and compare. It's just everything that's coming out is not, not very, um, not making me very happy. <laughs> no, it's, you know, it's the, the other thing that is a red flag to me is how many ways they are trying to use a carrot dangling in front of our heads to get us to comply. Like if this is our own free will. So if I choose 
to live with antibodies rather than get the vaccination? Why is, why are they still trying to force me to get a vaccination? I don't even get the flu shot. Um, and I feel like it's our free choice. You know, I feel like the, the, it started out with nearby, there's an amusement park. You could get free passes if you went and got the vaccination. Really? When have we ever seen that? You need to get a $50 pass for free. You know, like, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to use my body as a guinea pig for a free pass to an amusement park. Now it's gotten to the point where, you know, besides the fact that we talked about in the last show where they have used brand ambassadors to show that they've got, you know, the vax and that they've been paid to say that. And people are believing that they really are, you know, they're a believer in the vax, but they really got a paycheck for this. Okay. So now what's happening here in New York is that the local uh, colleges, the SUNY colleges is what it's called here. They have literally waited until the last minute where these kids are about, they're about ready to move into the dorms in about two to three weeks. They have plans. They've committed to schools. They have waited till the last minute to say, guess what? You can't come to this school if you don't get this shot. You can't live in this housing that you've already paid a deposit for if you don't get this shot. And what does that do to a college kid? One of my good friends is going through this right now. She's beside herself because this is what they told her daughter. And at this point, an 18-year-old, they, they're excited. They want to go there. They have this, they're already in their mind, they're already there. They're living their life at this specific college. And it's terrible because that's where you get people to comply. And for me, it's all based on fear and manipulation. Yeah. And that's something that I mean, we've never had anything never. like this ever, ever before. Um, I, what really gets me is just how quickly people are to take, like to tell you that you have to take it. Even doctors, everyone should get it. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know. No, these doctors don't know my medical history. They don't know my risk assessment. They don't know any of these things. And, oh, you should get it because everyone should get it. There's, I mean, who wants that brand of healthcare where everything is good for everyone? Now I've heard people say, well, why why don't you, even if you don't have a high risk, it'll help you from transmitting it. Let's just say, Again, I haven't seen the data on that. I haven't seen zero data that yeah. it reduces transmission because now, well, the CDC just revoked their guidance saying, even if you're vaccinated, you should still wear your mask. Indoor yeah. and trans- so and apparently it doesn't help with transmission. Right. Um, but let's just say because of that, for the greater good, again, we spoke on that, the greater good. Well, it's the vaccine's free. It's covered by a governmental program. If that's free and they're saying it's because it's so good, it's going to protect so many people, why aren't emergency asthma asthma inhalers free? Why isn't cancer treatment free, paid for by the government? Because that would save countless more lives than the vaccine is saving. So I just, I mean, I don't understand how people can say that, well, it's helping and it's doing this and doing that. Well, apparently it doesn't reduce transmission at all because they still want you, even if you're fully vaccinated to wear your mask. So it's, um, 
Mm-hmm. I, I just don't, I don't like this one size fits all approach that they're coming with the vaccine because it's, it, it doesn't fit all. It's actually very, very detrimental for a lot of people. If you look, truly look at the numbers, I think someone's risk, like I said, under 70 is 99.97. So that's the risk of contracting it if you're a healthy 20 something year old adult, like these kids we're talking about, these 18, 20 year old kids, it's somewhere in the 0. 0.0006 range of, of getting you know, COVID or dying of COVID. So I think it's even less than that, like 0. 0.00006. But if you look at this 20 something group of people and their risk of having adverse side effects from the vaccine, it's a higher it's a higher number adverse side effects one and death being the second because multiple teenagers and young 20 year olds have died of myocarditis it's on the vares website if you go on vares and look it's it's on there they they've already in the united states alone i believe they're above they may have just cracked and this is what's being reported they may have just cracked 10,000 people have died from the vaccine this in less than a year and they and, don't they don't publicize that i know like they ha- had the ticker for covid tick tick yeah. tick death, all, death, every death. day that's all we heard is how many people were dying from covid but we're not talking about who's dying from this vaccination that's enough there's just so many red flags that to me don't add up yeah yeah and that's and that's just the thing that i hope a lot of people take away from today is if you look at everything I, I want to believe a lot of people are logical. You don't have to have any sort of degree. I'm not going to say you're less intelligent because you don't have a degree. I'm speaking from a place of I can read the studies and you know explain them to people, but it doesn't mean you can't understand a study because you don't have a doctorate in this or that. So I just want to empower people that don't let anyone tell you that you know you don't know because you're not a doctor or you're not this or you're not in well. I'm in it. I've been in it. I am. I have my doctorate. I have a background in biochemistry and pharmacy. And I, I look at the data and it doesn't make sense. I mean, the wording itself, it's reasonable to believe it may reduce or it may be effective. It's reasonable to believe the vaccine may be effective. Well, apparently it's not. And it, you may have seen, I don't know if you saw this, but the CDC just announced that the R, the it's called a reverse transcriptase PCR test, RT-PCR test. They said, we're not going to look for approval anymore. We're going to pull our test. It cannot actually differentiate between COVID and the flu. It says there needs to be a new test that can differentiate between COVID and influenza-like viruses. So pretty much they came out and said, we're as of December 31st, we're not going to be the CDC's RT-PCR test is no longer going to be used because it can't find see the difference between COVID and the flu. So you look back and you think about all of the horrible things that happened because of the high COVID rates and this and that. And they weren't, they were, you've heard it multiple times. They were falsely inflated numbers. Yeah. And so you have falsely high inflated numbers and on the VAERS database if you actually look at it um it's a long standing history of knowing that the VAERS database maybe they say maybe one to like five percent of actual events get recorded because it takes I've had to put I myself so at my 
the location that I'm at now, I have to give the vaccine. It's a requirement of my employment. So I have had to give it and I have already had people come back. Someone came back, she was in the hospital for three days with blood clots in her legs. She had like neurological symptoms where she couldn't remember her name or her how to do things. And so she was in the hospital for three days. And so I had to go on to VAERS and I had to type in and do the report. I mean, it takes, it takes a long time. It's very, especially if you're busy, it's not a fun system to navigate through. So you have to think about how busy healthcare providers are on a day-to-day basis. And one, they don't even want to believe that the vaccine could cause this. So then if you can convince them, please submit a VAERS report, then they do it. Even if they do it, it takes them, you know, X amount of, let's say it's 10 minutes. I mean, in the healthcare world, every minute is mm-hmm. worth a lot. So, yeah. so if you look at the number of 10,000 people died and hundreds of thousands of adverse effects, which no one's talking about. And if that's, let's say it's only 5%, let's say it's only 10%. So we're looking at a tenfold increase of actual deaths and adverse side effects. And again, I'm speculating and I'll say I'm speculating, but I just want people to look into it and to ask questions as to why, why are we being coerced and forced to take a vaccine that is reasonable to believe it may be effective. Yeah. And it doesn't even reduce transmission. It it's, it's crazy, crazy. There's people I've seen that have taken the vaccination and are still afraid they're going to get COVID. Uh, they're still afraid of being around other people that don't have the vaccine. And it's like, so it's so crazy because if they had the vaccine, they should feel like they're taking care of that. They've taken care of their body and they shouldn't worry about who else hasn't gotten the vaccine because they're covered, but they don't feel that way. Um, and so what, this is the part that just makes me, I mean, I had uh, this friend of mine whose daughter recently got it. I feel horrible for her because the word she used is she feels helpless. And if put into a position where, you know, I was in her shoes, I would feel the same way. A lot of people are feeling helpless. Their jobs are on the line. Their kids' college education's on the line. Their, you know, kids in school. I mean, I know this is a hard question to answer, but what do we do? What can we do if we don't feel comfortable getting it um, and our employer is telling us we have to get it? Um, I mean, I would definitely, because it's state to state, there's different guidances and laws around requirements of employment. And now I would reach out to a lawyer first and foremost, and just say, what can I do? I know that's not an option for everyone, but I mean, people have friends, even if you can get a free consultation and just say, is there anything I can do? Um, some people that I've heard, which I don't know how effective this is at holding up to an employer, it really kind of depends if you, if you say, well, based on back in the, I think it was in what it was one of the wars, the Nuremberg code says you cannot forcefully uh, make a person be a part of a clinical trial, which is exactly what they're doing. Um, And so if you cite that and say, I need you to explain to me why that is okay, based on this, this law, it's, it's, you know, it's a uh, law in the United States, I would ask them to, 
to see what what they say regarding that. On top of that, I would also say that when it comes to vaccination and vaccination records, I would say, okay, if you want me to publicly tell you or other people my vaccination record on COVID or I have to get vaccinated, I want every single person to bring in their records to show that you know, they don't have HIV, they don't have STDs, they don't have TB, they don't have HPV. I want everyone else's medical record on all of these because I mean, HIV and HPV and these other bacterial, some bacterial infections that you can be vaccinated against, it's um, much more transmissible. And, you know, your hepatitis, all of these things, they, I want it, I want all of that information. You're asking me that I have to say this and show you this publicly and people have to turn this in. Well, then I want you to have every single person here. I want their hepatitis C, I want their hepatitis B. I want all of these things to be submitted because you need to show to me how this is more deadly than that. And I mean, again, it's gonna be different from workplace to workplace, but just to maybe just a shift in the mindset of like realizing how odd it is to ask someone their health history, asking a stranger if they're vaccinated. I mean, that people will come up to you if you're not wearing a mask. Are you vaccinated? Because the guidance says, and it's like, you, when was it okay to before to go up to someone and ask them, like, go just, do you, do you never. have this infection? Like, I don't, it was yeah, never, never, never. And your employer doesn't know also what kind of medication you're on and they don't have enough research completed to know how this vaccination matches up with certain medications. That's one of my biggest concerns is how do you know, especially people that are on a medication for neurological things. I mean, how do you know what the side effect is going to be or how the reaction is going to be? And, and are they willing to sign a document saying that they'll take full responsibility if something were to happen to you where you can't come back to work due to taking the vaccination? I mean, yeah. that's another concern. I, I think mean, that's a huge thing that you that that you brought up just now is that if you can say to your employer, if you're going to force me to do this, because pe people may have heard this, people may not care that the vaccine companies have absolutely zero liability, none at all, mm -hmm. none. Yeah. And on top of that, with what we were talking about, people, influencers and things like that, promoting it because neither vaccine, and this is a document you can read. It's the SEC, S, uh, uh, the SEC filing for Moderna and for Pfizer. You can read it in their documentation. Um, it says in there, they're not FDA approved. So because they're not FDA approved, they don't have to abide by the regular laws that FDA approved drugs have to, their emergency use authorization. So one, they're not liable for anything that happens to you. Two, because they're not FDA approved, they don't have to, they can, uh, they don't have to abide by the HIPAA laws. They don't have to abide by what is called the anti-kickback statute, which means they can get kickbacks. The companies can get money um, or pay people. It, it says in there specifically that they don't have to abide by the anti-bribery laws. All it's it's in a government document, the SEC filing, which, which we're going to link. We're going to yeah. put that in the show notes because yeah. we need to show people the proof. We need that. We need the 
the Newberg code too. We're going to link yeah. to the show, but has yeah. that ever been done before, Amy? Like, has this, I mean, it's the emergency use authorization uh, tactic. If, if you look at how you can use emergency use authorizations for both medical equipment, medical diagnostic tools, like the, the testing we were talking about, though none of these things are approved. They're all emergency use authorization. Emergency use constitutes in the law, which says you can get an EUA there has to be an emergency present first, first and foremost, that there has to be a, an emergency declared, which I, right now I don't, I don't see it. Um, second of all, it has to show that it's a life-threatening illness. Now, 0.0003% for majority of middle-aged Americans is not life-threatening in my eyes. Mm -hmm. um it has to be life-threatening these these things have to be met for an EUA to be granted once these things are no longer met it's supposed to be revoked immediately so there's allegedly an emergency in our country um there's uh it's a life-threatening illness which for which there is no alternative so one there's no emergency two it's not life-threatening it's not uh, my, I mean, uh, my father, who is a double lung transplant recipient, who had cancer, post-cancer, end-stage renal disease, has on dialysis. Guess what? He got COVID and he was just fine. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's not life-threatening. And lastly, it has to be no available alternative. On top of all the mis misinformation, that word that we have heard so often, um, there's multiple alternatives. I mean, the, the buzzword, which is like a bad word to say in the healthcare community is hydroxychloroquine. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, I don't know what, in the beginning of all this, when it was first happening, so I work in a pharmacy, doctors are allowed to call in their own medications within reason, non-controlled, and can call in medications for their families. I had countless doctors calling in hydroxychloroquine for themselves and for their immediate family. Back, this was back in like December, January, December 19, January of 20. Before anything even happened, hmm. I had multiple doctors. I, I mean, I'm talking in like the 30s to 40s doctors calling yeah. in. We were, I mean, we ran out of the drug. It, before that, it, was, it was even publicized. Before it was even publicized. Mm-hmm. So that's one option. And a study came out that showed your survival with weight adjusted hydroxychloroquine and azithromycin, we can link this study too, showed based on, again, the risk and the, the analytics that they, that they run on it, the statistics, it showed over 100% improved survival rate by giving them that. Mm -hmm. And then another alternative is ivermectin. There's multiple studies, not just the United States, around the world that have shown that drug essentially obliterates your uh, possibility to transmit the disease. So we have the vaccine, which is might be effective. It's reasonable to believe it's yeah. it may be effective. Um, but and then still, we have a hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, it worked a hundred percent, and they knew it. They knew yeah. it. So then, but there was never any push for it. There was never any. They were they're offering the vaccine for free. They never 
offered hydrochloroquine for free. You couldn't even find it. Hydroxychloroquine after- is so cheap too. It's cheap. <laughs> Ivermectin is cheap. These yes. things are so inexpensive. They've been around forever. They shown. What's crazy to me is when everything started happening, I went to the CDC's website to look at their, you know, cause they have guidance on it. Hydroxychloroquine originally is used for malaria prevention. Um, and I pulled one of their documents and it's a PDF. So I downloaded it and I have, and it says on there specifically safe for pregnant women. It's safe for children. It's safe for long-term use, all this stuff. Um, and you go back and it's not there anymore. They scrubbed their website. It's mm-hmm. to me, all of these things to go and read a document and then go back later to try and reference that document. It's gone. Why would they mm-hmm. get rid of it? It just, it was a nice little pamphlet that explained the safeties of hydroxychloroquine, how it can prevent malaria. Is, are, and, are people even able to get that now? What's the standard? I, mean, I, I don't, the last time I checked, it wasn't on the CDC's website. No, but I mean, actually oh, hydroxychloroquine. Yeah. Yeah. So the hydroxychloroquine, um, they, it's used to treat lupus usually lupus and rheumatoid arthritis, um, people take two pills every day and it's one pill twice a day. And it's, I still dispense it all the time. And we have, now we have a huge stock of it in the pharmacy. Um, uh, but it's just, uh, it's, it's safe. I have people who have been on it. People have lupus. It's a lifelong autoimmune issue. Mm-hmm. And they take hydroxychloroquine for their whole lives. Ask people who live with lupus. They're not, you know, they're not blind. They're not all these horrible things that they're saying, you know, they're the one study that people always reference. It was where doctors forcibly gave patients way higher doses of hydroxychloroquine than they should have to see the side effects. And those doctors were prosecuted for it. You look into the study, the doctors who ran the study were prosecuted and their study is still published. It wasn't, you know, retracted or anything still published, but it's it's crazy. Do, I mean, have you seen anybody take hydroxychloroquine when they had COVID? Have you Um, you had any experience with that? So I personally haven't seen anyone, I don't know their, their status. I've had people, you know, they come in and have gotten it and there is just like a one-time fill and it's a short, I know that they're using it for COVID um, Mm -hmm. because they send in hydroxychloroquine, azithromycin and zinc with sometimes with or without vitamin D. And I know that they've used that. And these people, I mean, they're still at my pharmacy. So they've come in, got that prescription and then come back. So yeah. You know, it's like the, the, the cocktail, if you will, of the right. three. and they come and they get it and they're still my patients at the pharmacy. So I, they were, they're fine. They didn't die from hydroxychloroquine. I mean, this is my whole, my whole point in doing the show is just the information needs to be truthful on both sides. And if people decide that this vaccination is what is best for them, that is 100% fine. But for other people that are questioning everything, then why not be transparent with the facts? If there's nothing to hide, why not be more transparent? Why force it down people's throats? Why force people to get it to 
to attend school or to go to work when the survival rate is so ridiculously high. It doesn't make sense. And I don't understand why we're doing it for this particular virus when we haven't done it for any other viruses. And it's just the whole thing. I think had it been a normal virus like the flu and they didn't hype it up so much, and then they said, hey, if you don't want to get this virus, here's a vaccine like they do with the flu shot. It wouldn't have been such a concern for me. Um, but there's just too many weird factors. And yeah. it's it's strange. I, I just, I mean, and I had heard about the hydroxychloroquine way, way back at the beginning. And um, from what I found, it was really difficult to get at that point. Um, and, you know, and I'm a type of person that, you know, in our house, we do everything holistic. So it's like, I was taking the zinc and the vitamin D and all the things that I could find and research to help prevent this. And it worked fantastic. So it's like, there's, there's people out there that we don't want to jump on putting foreign things in our body. So why can't we just be respected for that? I don't, I don't understand, you know, what I want to tell you what happened, um, since we last spoke, Amy, as my husband was admitted to the hospital, um, for an emergency and, you know, it's summertime and where we are in New York, it's not a high season for, you know, it's not a season for a high level of sickness and the emergency room was packed and he was waiting forever. Of course, I couldn't go in with him because of COVID, um, which was made it really difficult to be an advocate. Um, but the, I had to like call in some people that work in the hospital to get information so that I could advocate over the phone for him. Um, and one of the things, and I hand to God, one of the nurses that has been there for a very long time, high nurse, first thing she said to me is, oh my gosh, Jen, did your husband get the vaccination? And I said, well, you know, no, but why? And she's like, thank God we are packed with people in here right now with neurological um, issues that are a result of the vaccination. And um, she's like, we just keep seeing it. And then I talked to another doctor um, who works at two other hospitals. And she told me that it wouldn't even be worth trying to get him transferred to a, you know, bigger, better hospital at that point, because they were all packed. And it's scary, you know, it's, it's scary because we don't, it's not necessary. We don't need to be putting more people in the hospital. <laughs> it's yeah, just it's something that's not even, I mean, we don't even know long-term how it, how well it works because they're already talking about getting you a booster because your antibodies wane from natural infection. You have um, in your bone marrow cells that can be reactivated months and years later. Now there's actual studies that have shown the bone marrow immune cells from natural infection are there and give you a much more robust immune response. Oh so, yeah. Not without all the side effects because you're getting an immune response that's just innate. It's not being stimulated by spike protein formation, which again, we don't even know the havoc that a spike protein is going to rack on someone's body. So it's, it's very, very, um, like you said, it's, I mean, it's scary. It's, it doesn't make sense is the biggest thing that I've gotten from it. Mm -hmm. Um, and now with, when it comes to 
the Delta variant, the new buzzword <laughs> on the street that it's it's more it's more infective. It's more infective. I didn't. I never. I never remember why is something that's highly infective bad. If okay, you get infected, is it is it deadly? I haven't heard anything about it being more more deadly. I mean, maybe they say that to, we don't know if it's more deadly or not, but people are still getting infected. So you get the vaccine, you can still get infected with the Delta variant and your vaccination status. People who are not vaccinated from my personal experience, people I know um, are not getting COVID. I know multiple people who have been vaccinated and they're, they have COVID. They're off work yeah. because they have COVID because they tested positive for it. Now, I don't even know because the tests are so nonspecific and, you know, some of them are more specific, but what people don't realize with these tests, when you get tested, what they do, PCR is they're amplifying it. So they run cycles. A good PCR to see if you're actually infected is about like 15 to 20 cycles. Dr. Fauci himself said, if you do a PCR above like 30 to 35, He's like, that's not an active infection. He's quoted in saying this, that it's it's dead viral particles, that it's not an active infection. But all of the tests that are emergency use authorization, you know, authorized, they run cycles 35 to 40 times. So I'd be curious if someone has a positive test for them to just ask, how many cycles was it ran? Because a lot of people are going to be like, what are you, what are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, they're not going to know. You should, yeah. And you, but it, they can look, you can look into it and you see if it's 35, 40 cycles, a good test is like 20, 25 cycles to see if you have an, a living viral infection going on at, at that moment. But if you're in the 35, 40 range for cycles, I mean, yeah, this is amplifying this particle exponentially. If you have, we have our naturally infected, if you will, you know, we have bacteria and viruses just on you, around you, but you have an immune system and your immune system can fight those things off and build mm -hmm. antibodies to them. doesn't mean you're actively infected, infected or you're an asymptomatic spreader. So all that to say, I really think if someone gets tested and they get a positive, I would just question what is either I would they call it a cycle threshold or you know how many times was the cycle ran and you could just ask and if it's in the high 30s and 40s I would just I would go somewhere else and say I mm -hmm. want to get tested by somewhere else because it's way too high I mean you ask anyone who works I mean my background's in biochemistry and so I did plenty of PCR work when I was in school so I had to do all of that. I know how, what they're doing and how many times they're doing it. I mean, we did it like four or five times. They're doing it 35, 40 times to amplify this tiny, 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 minuscule, unimportant, you know, viral particle to say, oh yeah, it's, it's positive. Well, yeah, anything you multiply exponentially is going to show that you have it, but it's, it's just um, all of that information is not readily available to people and I mean, it's sadly a, a lot of people, one, they don't want to fight it. They're just like, I just don't want to deal with the stress of it. They have enough stress in their life, you know, yeah. and people are beat down right now. Exactly. They're beat down. They're tired. They're exhausted. They're depressed. They're stressed out. They keep telling everyone, if you do this, you can get back to normal. You could, you know, but I mean, truthfully for myself, if I, I know, I, I mean, 
if if someone's child if 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 someone said you know they have to get this or they can't go to school well why not band together with your friends and family find a teacher who doesn't want to work in this environment and pay that teacher to homeschool your children I mean, I think people need to realize that you're much more powerful and you don't only have one option. I mean, if your college age student needs to take a year off of school until this craziness dies down, what's a year over the course of their entire life health future? And with your younger children, if they're requiring it for you know the 12 plus age group that they have to get it, how terrible really would it be um, to find some like-minded friends and say, they don't want this for their kids either. I'm sure everyone could find at least one teacher and say, you know what, we'll pay you to privately homeschool our kids. Mm -hmm. 10 kids to a teacher, whatever it is, five kids to a teacher. I mean, that teacher is gonna, I, I know people in my family who I have nieces and nephews and they're 100% willing to do that if they're gonna be forced to vaccinate or even wear masks at school. They mm -hmm. said, you know, that's an option and people just don't want to go, go that route because it's not comfortable and doesn't feel safe. But mm -hmm. I mean, you're altering your child's future by just saying, okay, just get, just get it. So they, so they leave us alone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think the other thing that's really strange is for those of us that have the antibody, you know, you've actually had COVID then why aren't we being treated the same as those that are vaccinated? You know, when you're saying, okay, you have to wear a mask if you're not vaccinated is not the same as saying you have to wear the mask if you don't have an antibody. I mean, isn't the point to protect everybody? So I'm protecting other people. I'm not a threat if I have the antibody and I'm not a threat if I have the vaccine. Why aren't we treated the same? Yeah, and that's, a question that no one can answer because mm -hmm. it even says too, I was doing a lot of reading on the FDA website, all of their emergency use authorization, their reasonings and all of this. And it says on there when talking about um, natural or they don't call it, even call it natural immunity. They just say like previously infected persons. Mm -hmm. um, it's, they say, you know, they should wait 90 days to get the vaccine. Why? Because your antibody response is so strong after getting infected that if you get the vaccine, people don't realize your immune system is great, but there's a whole category of diseases called autoimmune disorders. And what can happen, especially if you get it after you've already been infected with COVID, they is immune hypersensitivity. It's uh, antibody dependent enhancement or you know just autoimmune like attack where you already have all these antibodies, then you inject yourself with billions of trillions of microscopic spike proteins to elicit this just overwhelming immune response. Well, when your immune system gets hypercharged, it can cause severe damage. That's what autoimmune disorders are. And a lot of this damage can be irreversible, forming scar tissue and fibrosis after the fact. So it's, I, when you look at the numbers, they even say too, with the testing, when you're doing serological antibody testing, it says in there that you cannot differentiate between antibodies acquired from natural immunity versus antibodies acquired from the, from the vaccine. But they say in there 
don't, don't take those serological tests, you know, don't, don't take it. I mean, even if you've been that, or even if you've had the vaccine and you have antibodies, we don't know how much that's going to really protect you. Well, it's a higher number and you do serological tests for your IgGs, IgMs, and look at how much your levels are, your antibody levels. You know, you look at your antibody levels and they're higher with natural infection versus if you get the vaccine, they're lower and shorter lived. So, and on top of that, just a little cherry on top, um, the vaccine spike protein is based on the viral genome sequence that was originally um, found in China. They, that was where they first, you know, elucidated and figured out what the spike well, apparently everything's mutated and viruses do mutate and that's fine, but we're still making the vaccine based off of the mRNA transcript of that original virus back in 2000 and end of 2019. Mm -hmm. So it, it just, the whole thing, it's so, I love science. I love yeah. data and looking at it and having the ability to have a conversation because that's how breakthroughs are made is when medical professionals and scientists can have conversations about, hey, let's look at these facts, which are in black and white, and let's have a conversation. But now it's like, there's a group wherever, FDA or CDC, who has said, these are the facts. If you question our interpretation of these facts, you will be silenced. And that's the scariest thing is that people will get silenced if you ask a question. It's not even saying you're wrong or this, or it's, um, don't I have more antibodies from being infected than I do from the vaccine? They'll like block you on every social media and you get kicked off and can't, it, it's just crazy to me. All we're doing is asking a, yeah. a question. Which is what this country in this world really <laughs> was built on is people asking questions and thinking different and having different opinions. We're not robots. We're all different. We have different belief systems. We have things we're brought up a certain way that make us a certain person. And we, you know, practice different ways of living and that's a beautiful thing. And we should be really remembering that when they're telling us to believe one way that yeah. to me is a concern. I think we all have free will. God gave us free will. He wants us to use it and he wants us to stick up for what we believe in. And if you and I don't believe in the same thing, that's 100% fine. That doesn't make me right and you wrong or vice versa. But we have forgotten that we're being like, based, you know, we're, they're using fear to try to keep us all on, the, you know, walking in the same line. Mm -hmm. And it just doesn't sit well with me. I think, um, basically what you just said, because for, you know, those that might be a little confused, you're saying that the vaccination was developed based on the big first part of the virus before it mutated into other forms. Yeah. So it was, it was based on the very first, cause we all have DNA, RNA, you know, that's our makeup. Viruses have their own. And this, the vaccine was based on that original transcript they call it a transcript of that original virus so we don't even know where we're at now but they're it's just going to become a thing where they're going to start saying okay well because of this you need this booster and because of this you need yeah that. i mean that's why we get a new flu shot every year is yeah. because the flu shot strains are different and we need different protection based on that 
And so if they're gonna say the same thing about this, well, the every vaccine that's ever been made, they, I mean, they're, the mRNA vaccine is brand new. You're hijacking your own body's cells to make this spike protein and then cause an immune response. And it's, uh, it's not how a vaccine was originally made. Vaccines were weakened or dead pieces of the virus injected in you and then your body responds to that, not hijacking your body's own machinery to then make this and cause who knows at this point. I mean, it's, uh, we didn't even get into the fertility aspect and the menstruation issues and the miscarriages, you know, those are in the, I think we're almost up to like a thousand documented on VAERS of miscarriages after the vaccine, which it's called spontaneous abortion. They don't know it's just spontaneous, but it was within, because it has to be within X amount of days for them to report it to VAERS. But after getting their vaccine, midterm pregnancy loss is very, very, very high. Oh, that makes me so sad. Yeah. And we did talk a little bit about the fertility and the abortion in episode 88, but I mean, there's just so much to talk about. I mean, we've, we've gone way over 29 minutes and I still have (laughs) so many questions and there's just still so much you taught me today that I had no clue about literally. Um, but it's just, I don't know. I feel like I'm just grateful that you do this kind of research and can relay it to us because these are things that I know I need to know about my own body and my own health. And I hope that the listeners today also feel the same way so that you can educate yourself and your family to make the decision that's best for you. Um, I just, you know, I'm so grateful that you have this kind of brain. (laughs) I mean, it's like I'm just grateful that you're you're you've given me the opportunity to to share with people because, like you said, it's just uh, it needs to be a decision, it, informed consent. You need to be informed, mm-hmm. and it should be something you're allowed to consent to. If you don't want to consent, then coercion is not consent. So mm-hmm. right now we're, we're in uninformed coercion when the law is informed consent. Mm-hmm. Well so. said. Very well said. So as always, you know, please give us your feedback on the show. And if you have questions, feel free to post them or email me directly, organize at jenniferfordberry.com. I'll relay those questions to Dr. Amy. And then basically um, we will see where it goes from there. We might be speaking every quarter at this point. I don't know. There's just, things are changing so fast. And I know that I definitely want to keep up with the information. It's very important to me. And I know it's very important to so many of you listening and watching. So um, we just hope that you will take this information and make the choice that's best for you um, and your body. And um, we just wish everybody, you know, health and safety with these next, you know, few months coming up. I know they're really crucial time, a really crucial time in our history. So thank you so much, Dr. Amy. I appreciate it. And, um, thanks to everybody listening. We'll be back again soon with another episode of the 29 minute mom. Hey, sweet friend. Are you tired of feeling overwhelmed and burned out? If so, I totally get it. As moms, we have so much on our plates. It's not easy to take care of everyone, keep up with your to-do list and find time for ourselves, but it can be done. All you need is a step-by-step plan and a system that works. Plus some extra encouragement and accountability doesn't hurt either. 
That is why I want to formally invite you to my brand new coaching program, the Created Order Neighborhood. The neighborhood is for women just like you that want to live a life of order, calm, intention, and purpose. I promise you, sister, you are not alone in your overwhelm. All you need to do is to decide to move into our community today, and I will help you find more space, time, energy, and money to live a life of purpose and contentment. Just go to my website, jenniferfordberry.com and look for the created order neighborhood. Hope to see you there.